Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. I know many of you have already been planting your gardens, and many more have transitioned from spring plants into the warmer weather summer crops. But I also know there are plenty of you that haven't started planting it at all, whether your climate conditions aren't right or your garden space just isn't ready or whatever. I think I saw that Minnesota is expecting another frost this week, you poor souls. And honestly, planting is a season-long activity. We start with cold crops in the spring, move into summer crops, then right back to cold crops and the stuff that we want to overwinter. I've spent the last two Saturdays at Farmer's Market and online answering questions about how and when to put those plants into the ground. This episode, I'm going to cover the things you need to remember when finally moving those plant babies to your gardening space. And I'm not just talking about hardening off your plants either, although that is part of it. Things like acclimating the plants that you bring home from other growers into your gardening space, watering and spacing requirements, and special considerations for my indoor growers. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. Let's start with what am I doing reading and listening to? What am I doing? Summer plants are going into the ground. Tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, the seeds for sweet corn and okra, successions of green beans. This is probably the hardest planting week of the season just due to the sheer volume of stuff going into the ground. Um, We will have another week like this probably around the third week in July when everything that needs to go in for the fall harvest all has to be planted within a very short window. Um, The planting right now will more than likely spill over into next week, though, because this is also the start of our CSA season. Uh, It's our first big harvests of the year, our first deliveries, market pickups, all that fun stuff that goes along with a community-supported agriculture program. This is our 15th season doing this, and every season is different, and I'm sure this season will be no different. Um, What am I reading? I am still working on The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Once I get past his sort of blustery, oh, look at me and all my rich and important clients approach, there are some good nuggets that I'm pulling out of it. I just have a hard time absorbing any self-help book where I just don't connect with the author, and I certainly do not connect with this guy. If this hadn't been a book club read, I probably would have lost interest by now, but I'm not one to drop an assignment, so I'll finish it up. It's just not going to end up on my you-need-to-read-this-book list for any of my friends. And what am I listening to? I'm actually diving into a podcast about, well, podcasts. It's Dave Jackson's School of Podcasting. 
With any activity that I tackle, including gardening, I'm always anxious to learn more, and podcasting is no exception. Dave has been podcasting since the early days of podcasts, and he knows his stuff, and I'm finding juicy little nuggets of information in just about every episode. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, School of Podcasting is a good one to listen to. Surprise! I'm adding another new segment to the show, and this one is a question and answer corner. I get asked so many questions at the market stand and online and by my garden consulting clients and by my friends and family that I thought I would start to share one question on every episode. I was always told as a kid, if I had a question, not to be afraid to ask because somebody else would likely also have the same question and everybody would benefit from the answer. So that's the idea behind the Q&A segment. I used to bundle these all up on the Can You Dig It episodes all last season, but I want to answer them in a more timely manner, so this is going to be a weekly thing. If you have a question, feel free to reach out on social media, send me an email from the website, which is justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, or leave a voice message at the link in the show notes, and I will answer it. There are no silly questions if you honestly don't know the answer. So, this week's question How often do I need to water my garden and for how long? Now, this is a really broad question, and I get asked it all the time. The short answer is, it depends, but that's not very helpful. So here's the long answer. Your specific watering requirements are going to depend on a number of factors, whether you're gardening in-ground, in containers, or indoors, the types of plants that you're growing, the time of the year, and your weather conditions that particular week. For instance, if you're growing in ground and you have a heavy layer of mulch in your garden, you may only need to water once every few weeks in the early spring when it's raining quite frequently. But you might need to water every few days in the middle of the summer depending on your climate. Now, if you're gardening in containers, you likely will need to water much more frequently, but that's going to depend on the size of your containers. And if you're gardening indoors, you may water once per week no matter the time of year because your conditions are more controlled. Additionally, certain plants require more water than others. Vegetables like celery that are mostly water need a lot more irrigation than something like sweet peas. What it comes down to is to let the plants and the soil tell you what they need. If the soil is dry a few inches down right in the root zone of the plant, then give it a drink. But if it's still moist, leave it alone. Remember, deep, less frequent waterings are much more beneficial to the plant than more frequent shallow waterings. And while wilting is usually a sign that your plant needs a drink, don't freak out if your plants are wilting in the middle of the day in the hottest part of the season. Afternoon wilt is absolutely normal and it's actually a good thing. Your plant is reducing the surface area of its leaves in order to reduce respiration and reduce water loss. So don't rush to water it because you might make the soil waterlogged and actually stress the plant. If it doesn't bounce back in the evening or by morning, then you should be checking the moisture level of your soil and consider watering or that maybe there's something else going on. And I'm not a proponent of watering on a set schedule unless you're doing hydroponics. Your garden's water needs are going to change with what plants you are currently growing and what the weather conditions are. 
Don't set up soaker hoses on a timer in the spring for your lettuce and your broccoli plants and then leave that same system set up for your tomatoes and your peppers. You'll likely overwater the lettuce and the broccoli and you may underwater the summer stuff. Let your garden tell you what it needs. It's not that I don't encourage a timer because a timer allows you to be sure that you're watering your garden thoroughly without having to stand there and monitor it. But opt for a system that allows you to either manually turn on the water and set the timer when you need it, or one that is easily overridden if you've had a good bout of rain and you don't need to water the garden. Now, if you do set one up to water automatically, be sure that you're checking the garden frequently to be sure that the moisture level is good. I've seen many a gardener kill their plants with too much love by setting their system to water for 30 minutes every single day for the entire season and basically drowning their plants. Just like everything else in the garden, there is no one set answer to how often you should water. Let your garden tell you. So on to today's topic. How do you transition your plants into your garden space? This isn't just simply take the plants out of where you started your seedlings and put them in their garden home. It's also not a matter of bringing home plants from the nursery or the farmer's market and putting them straight into their containers, whether you're gardening outside or inside. Your plants need to get acclimated to their new growing space. The first thing we need to talk about is hardening off. I first talked about this way back in episode 8 of the podcast, and it's been mentioned numerous times along the way ever since. Essentially, if you started your plants early, indoors, you'll need to prepare them for the outdoors. Doing this properly will thicken the cuticle on the leaves so that they lose less water when exposed to the elements. It'll strengthen the stems against wind damage, cause the plant to be more temperature hardy, and will prevent transplant shock, which can cause plant growth to completely stall out or even cause plants to die from the sudden change in temperature and sun exposure. To harden off a seedling, start by gradually reducing the amount of water it receives over the course of the week before you transplant, especially if you don't irrigate your garden regularly. Let them dry out between watering to simulate those conditions. On days when the temperatures are warm, put the plants outside in a protected area outside of direct sunlight for a few hours the first day, and then add a couple of hours to that the next day. This is not only exposing them to increased amounts of sunlight, but also to wind and other elements. If there isn't enough air movement on the days that you've got to plants outside, run your hands across the plants several times a day or put them in front of a fan or something. That'll also do the trick. Now, after a few days, you can place them in the direct morning sun, moving them to the shade or back indoors for the afternoons, and then gradually expose them to more direct sun each day. Within about five to seven days, your plants should be used to the outdoor temperatures and the elements. Their final test is to place them still in their containers out into the place where they will reside permanently and leave them for 24 hours. If they still look good, well then go forth and plant, my friend. But if they show any signs of stress or shock along the way with this process, slow your roll and introduce them more gradually. What are those signs of stress? Things like very wilted plants or sagging leaves that don't seem to perk back up again, spots on the leaves that look like burn marks, 
discolored leaves, leaves dropping off the plant, plants that lean over and don't seem to stand back up very readily, especially after being watered or when having heavy wind gusts. These are all signs that your plants need to be acclimated a little bit more slowly. You are much better off delaying your planting by a week or so than transplanting on the schedule that you've set for yourself only to shock your plants and have it set your harvest back by a full month or more. Or worse, not getting a harvest at all because the plants die and now you have to go buy replacement plants. Now, just because you buy plants from the store or the market instead of starting them yourself doesn't mean you get to skip this hardening off process. Purchased plants might be hardened off to the best of the grower's ability before being sold to you. And they might not be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whether or not a purchased plant has been hardened off at all prior to your purchase, the conditions at the greenhouse or the farm those plants came from are not the same as the ones in your garden. And if they've been hardened off to some extent, those plants have likely been hardened off as a group, not individual plants facing the outdoor conditions alone. This makes a difference. If you have a tray of like 18 to 30 plants sitting together outside facing the wind, for example, and they're set next to a bunch of other trays of 18 to 30 plants, they've got each other for support and a little bit of protection. That's very different from a single plant whose nearest neighbor is 18 to 36 inches away. So while you don't have to take the entire week to harden them off, you should give them a few days to acclimate to your unique gardening situation. If you're gardening outdoors, put the plants out into the sun for a few morning hours the first day after you bring them home, and then back into the shade in the afternoon. Increase those hours the next two days and then give them that 24-hour test on day four. You should also be letting them dry out between waterings each day to acclimate them to less than ideal conditions. Taking those few days to get them ready for the garden will pay off, trust me. Keep an eye out for those stress indicators I talked about earlier and adjust your schedule accordingly. Now, if you're an indoor grower, pay attention to the conditions the plants were in when you bought them. If you're buying from a box store or a nursery, look around at where the plants are located. If they're in the indoor area of the store, they may have only had artificial lighting for like 18 hours a day. They can likely easily transition to your indoor space, but be sure to keep your lights up higher from the plants than you might think. If they've only had overhead lighting from the store 15 feet up at the ceiling level, You'll shock them by suddenly putting them under lights that are only six inches above the leaf surface. Introduce them gradually. Now, if they've been in an outdoor area where they've been getting direct sunlight on a natural schedule, you'll likely need to transition them into your growing space a little bit more slowly. These plants are used to getting eight to 10, maybe 12 hours of direct sunlight depending on the time of the season. 
if you suddenly put them into 16 hours of artificial light, again, right about over the top of their leaves, you can burn them. And I've done this. I took plants from the garden to overwinter into my basement, and I put them right up underneath my grow lights, and three days later, I had plants with leaves dropping off and burn marks on the remaining leaves. It took me months to get those plants to bounce back, and they never fully recovered enough to really produce much of anything. You'll need to gradually increase the level of light they get from your lighting system. Increase the number of hours by an hour the first two days, adding an hour every two days until you get them acclimated. And if you get your plants directly from a grower at the farmer's market or a roadside stand, ask them how the plants were treated before they brought them out. Every grower does things differently, and you'll need that information to decide how to properly transition them to your growing situation. Just like an outdoor garden, patience is key to acclimating your plants to your indoor garden. So once you've got your plant acclimated to your specific growing situation, now's the time to plant. This obviously means moving it from a fairly small container to a much larger space. Pay attention to the spacing requirements for your plant. That plant seems small now, but the end result may be a very big plant or one with a wide-reaching canopy. If you've made a garden plan, you likely will have this information already at your disposal. Best case, you'll have a plant tag that tells you the recommended spacing between plants. Worst case, you know, you'll have to look it up. Until you get more experienced with your garden, stick with those recommendations. Once you get further into your gardening journey and you know a little bit more about how things grow in your space, then you can start to play around with spacing and interplanting and all that fun stuff to get more out of your garden. But if you're just starting out, play it safe. Don't underestimate how much space a plant's roots need. And you might be surprised at just how close some of those plants should be planted. Sometimes planting too far apart can be just as bad as planting too closely, so measure when transplanting. Either have a tape measure or a ruler or a yardstick handy, or create your own tool specific for the garden. My husband carved me a giant dibbler so that I can stand upright and jab it down into the soil to make holes for planting. Now along the side of that, I used permanent marker to make a mark every four inches and then I labeled them. So now, no matter what I'm planting, I can lay that tool down along the row and know exactly how far apart each plant is. Once you've got them properly spaced, make sure you dig a hole big enough to accommodate the plant. This usually means digging a hole that's large enough to add some compost or some soil amendments and then to place the plant into the ground so that the soil level is even with where it was in the container. The exception to this is tomatoes. For tomatoes, you always want to plant them as deep as you can so they develop roots all along their entire stem. I'll link to the tomato episode in the show notes. Other than tomatoes, try not to bury the plant stem too deep into the garden soil. This can cause the stem to rot where the soil is touching, specifically if the soil is staying really moist for too long as the plant settles in. Basil is really prone to this problem, but there are plenty of other plants that this can happen to. Now, make sure that your plant baby is well watered while it's in its container before you plant it. Make sure the soil is saturated all the way down to the bottom of the container and the roots are saturated. This is just one more step to preventing transplant shock. 
Then remove the plant gently from its container by squeezing the container to loosen the roots and the plant before pulling it out. Sometimes this can be difficult because many plants have become root-bound while waiting their turn to go in the garden. So try to be gentle, but don't worry too much about it if some of the roots get damaged. Most plants are resilient, and this little bit of damage will actually stimulate new roots to grow once you get them in place. If your plant is root-bound, meaning the roots have circled back on themselves and the root mass is very tight, use your fingers to loosen them up a little bit and separate them before planting. Once again, this is going to stimulate some root growth. Give them the opportunity to immediately begin seeking nutrients and water from the garden soil and then get them settled into their new home even more quickly. Now, after the plant has been put into its hole and you've added the soil and any amendments back into that hole, give it a good soaking before adding your mulch. Once again, this is helping with that transplant shock. It will have the water already in the potting mix that it's been sitting in and then the water available in the hole that you just planted into. We do this out in our fields, but quite literally filling the plant hole with water all the way to the top when we put the plant into it and then backfilling with the compost and the soil and then putting our mulch on top. Other than rainfall, it's usually the only water our plants get. Reducing the watering schedule prior to planting is a key part of this. The plant has already gotten used to using less water daily, and so now it can self-regulate a little bit more with the water it has available. Now, of course, if you irrigate or use a sprinkler system or hand water, that's fine too. Like we talked about in the Q&A section, let the plants tell you when they need water. Oh, and one more thing. I prefer to transplant my seedlings out into the garden in the early evening, especially when the warm weather has hit. The heat of the day has begun to dissipate and your plant will have the overnight hours in cooler conditions to get settled in and ready for the next day. You may even be able to take advantage of some morning dew to give them a little extra drink. Now, if you need to plant in the morning, that's fine if you can be sure that they get the water that they need at planting time. I definitely don't recommend planting in the heat of the midday if you can manage it, but I myself was outside at 4 o'clock this afternoon still putting tomato plants in the ground because we've got rain moving back in in the morning and I needed to get those plant babies into the ground but I'm confident that I hardened those guys off enough that they had no problem going in during the heat of the day. That's experience talking, though. So maybe do as I say, not as I do, until you're confident that your plants can handle it. Try to follow these tips when transplanting your plants, and you'll get those garden babies off to the best start. Hey, the Just Grow Something podcast is a member of the Positively Farming Media podcast network. If you're looking for more great food and ag-focused podcasts to listen to, then you should check out the Positively Farming Media playlist on Spotify. You'll find all the podcasts that I'm associated with, such as A Little Self-Reliant, The Rural Woman, Barnyard Language, and more. And I will leave a link to that in today's show notes. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and I will talk to you again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. 
You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon.